I'm super grateful and honored today to have Scott Drummond join us. The background story alone to why we're here today could be an interesting thing enough to talk about uh, how we ended up here. Even that has affected me. But what we're going to actually talk about, I think, has the potential to really help a lot of people. And I'm so honored that you've agreed to be here today. There's moments in some people's lives where they have these big resets, their priorities shift or something big happens and it just changes everything. It seems like you've maybe had more than one of those moments in your life. And I've been honored enough to hear a little tiny bit of some of those, but it sounds like most people haven't heard some of these stories. Um, so the one question I wanted to ask you is why, why now? Why did you feel like this was a good time to share some of these really kind of personal moments for you? Well, the thing that kind of brought to mind was what's happening right now with the COVID-19. There's so many people out there that are afraid of what might happen to them. And for me, it's not a fear for me because of what I've gone through before with, well, passing away for about 20 minutes and seeing things that I most people don't get to see. But what I started thinking about after talking to you on the, on the trail that day was how people shouldn't be fearful of, of death. What it did for me when I was 28 years old was to kind of wake me up and find out where my values are and where my where I'm sitting with my family and where I am placed with my Father in Heaven. You know, at the time I was working for the government, I was working out of town and, and didn't spend a lot of time at home. And what it did for me was it brought me closer to my family. Here I am, almost 67 years old, and I've talked very little about this because it's meant a lot to me and it's other than telling maybe a couple of family members and of course my wife no one knows about what happened in my mind it is very vivid every every day i was uh, up on the ski slopes in park city and having a great time we were skiing all day and i was in the lift line and all of a sudden a lady came down and she uh, had her poles going every which way and and ran into us in the ski line. And well, needless to say, I skied the rest of the day. When I we got through, I took my glove off and down at the car and my thumb was hanging straight down. And it knocked my thumb completely out of the socket. And, and I knew I had to have something done. It started to hurt once I got into that warm vehicle. You skied the whole day with your thumb hanging around? Yes. Yeah. I knew I had to get something done. So we scheduled surgery and got prepped. And what I remember most vividly was sitting in the, the operating room and and the doctor put a, a sheet between me and my right hand. And my thumb, right thumb was tore down and and there was a nurse in there and the nurse in there um, 
made mention to the doctor that she'd never done a tourniquet before and didn't know quite how to change the valves. And, and the doctor said that he'd talk her through it. Well, in, in a situation that you have, you put a tourniquet on right here, and you have two valves. One is to tighten it up, one's to loosen the pressure. And what happened was uh, both of them were tightened to begin with, and the nurse undid the one valve, and, and the pressure started coming back on again. And um, she opened the second valve and forgot to close the first valve. And all of a sudden, I had the sensation of something going up my arm. It crossed into my heart. And next thing I knew, I was above my body watching the operation. What was unique about it was I wasn't by myself. I had someone right beside me watching. And I don't know if this is normal or not, but I watched every stitch that was put into my thumb. I watched, uh, I watched the nurse go running out of the room saying that I killed him. And which was, I'm sure, put a lot of fear in her mind that what she did didn't work. But I sat and even though I never did see the person next to me, I sat right next to him as if I knew that person. And everything was done through the mind. There was no talking. I could hear what the doctor was doing, but I could never hear mouth to mouth what was being said with the person that was next to me. And we sat there and watched the operation and I can't tell you how long, because there was no clock on the wall, or, or I didn't have a watch on. We, we watched how serious the doctor was about finishing his surgery on my thumb. And I watched him take a, cut me here and here and tear a tendon out. I saw him uh, wrap it around my thumb, and I started watching him put me back together. Something that was supposed to be a very simple operation ended up being not so, not so good in the end. Um, we sat there for a little while and I, I can remember I was sitting above. I was laying down and how you lay out with your arm like this, with the sheet right here. And I was sitting right up here above watching the surgery. And then I watched, I had a, in my mind, I was told, uh, okay, it's, it's time to go. And I remember uh, so vividly, I could never look back. I was instructed never to look back again. And the next thing I knew, and it was like a twinkle of an eye, I was, standing in a in a field 
person that was with me was right next to me, but I, I couldn't see him. And I looked over to the left, and there was some great big tall trees. And I remember they were the most unusual-looking trees. at a long trunk with the leaves up on top. And there were lots of them. And then in, to the right of that, which would be still to the left of me, was wildflowers. Just beautiful wildflowers. And they were up about to my waist. And I, I just remember looking and seeing how beautiful the flowers are because it's something that I really enjoy is, is yard work and gardening. And I just remember the vivid colors were just magnificent. And then in front of me and then to the right was uh, tall uh, grass that came up probably just about my waist high. And I was just standing there. And the next thing I knew, the person that had escorted me there was not there anymore. And I was by myself. But it was so peaceful. Uh, everything was, it was really, what I remember so vividly was I could see a long ways to my left. I could see a long ways to my right. I wasn't allowed to look back. But in front of me was a, at the time it seemed like a, a cloud. It was just a, a white cloud. And all of a sudden in my mind, I started watching a, a video of my life. And I saw it from, from the day that I was born until I was 28 years old. Everything, everything that I had done in my life, good, bad, it didn't matter. Because what mattered was that's what I was being judged on what I had done and I remember I remember some of it hurt but some of it made me feel good but it was what it was there was I had no one there to argue with no one to say I didn't do that no I did it but there was a lot of things at that time in my life that I was I wasn't really as on track on my life as I should have been. It was, at, the t at that time in my life, I was working for the, for the government, uh, for the Postal Service at the time, and um, it was all about getting ahead, making enough money, making enough money. And I was working I remember at the time I was working in Jackpot, Nevada, which is way out in the middle of nowhere. And knowing that everything that I was doing was for myself and not for my family. And I think probably out of all of that that I watched, it was, you know, some was good, some was bad, but I knew that I had to do better with my life. I remember all of a 
of a sudden just being so peaceful. After it was all over, there was, it was real. Nothing, you know, there's no fake stuff. There was no, you didn't do this or I didn't do that. I did it. It was all about me. And what was so vivid was it was in my mind. I wasn't uh, talking to anybody. I wasn't negotiating. It was all in my mind that I was visualizing. And it, I, when I got through, I went, it's over, you know. I, I knew that I was dead and I knew I was moving on. I uh, was instructed through my mind and that person wasn't next to me, but it in, in my mind to get up and start walking forward. And I walked up to this white cloud and an arm came through, only about this much. It just came through and I, I'll never forget it. It was an arm that was strong. It was somebody that had worked in, either in the farming industry where his arms were big and his hands I remember were strong. They were bigger than my hands. They were a lot more meaty. And he reached out like this and I reached towards his hand and he said, it is not yet your time. You have more things yet to do. He pulled his arm back through and I didn't see it again because of the, the cloud that was in front of me. And at that time I went back into my body. Um, the doctor said that there was a war going on inside of my body. The war was that I did not want to come back because it was so peaceful. He, I remember him saying what was going on, what, you know, why was you all over the place on that table? And, and I told him that uh, I didn't want to come back. It was, it was too beautiful where I'd been. And come to find out, I had a paper on my chest and it, it pronounced me dead for 20 minutes. And I'd been gone. Uh, but I was gone in the most peaceful place that I could have ever went. Um, when they wheeled me out, Connie was out in the hallway. She had no idea that I'd, anything had ever happened to me. But uh, for three days, I have never had so much peace in my life. As it's unbelievable, the peace that I had for three days laying in that hospital bed. And the doctor, <laughs> it's kind of funny, the doctor kept coming back in and checking on me to make sure I was okay and was extremely uh, nice to me. It was uh, Dr. Skousen. Just so you're aware, too, uh, Scott's wife, Connie, is sitting right off screen, so you don't think he's talking to himself. Oh, no. This is my, this is my escort, my yeah. wife, Connie. <laughs> well, we've been, we've been married <clears throat> 45 years, and this is something that I have kept very private and sacred in my life because I, 
because it meant so much to me. Oh, it changed my life. Changed the way I, th I think about things. It changes the way I think about my my wife and what we are together and that we are one instead of trying to be one-on-one. -on -one. We're one, trying to be one. At least I am trying. I'm not perfect. I've got a lot to learn in life. My life has taken me in a whole different direction since since I was 28 years old. It's kind of brought me closer to my father in heaven. I know there's a God. I know without a shadow of a doubt. One thing that I can also say is I'm not afraid of dying because I know how peaceful it's gonna be. My thumb works today. Very good. I call it my bionic thumb. But I but I, I love my family. I love my wife. Thank you so much, Scott, for sharing. Uh, there's so many things to be taken from that. One alone, just that you have zero fear of dying in the world's current climate. That alone, if some people could latch onto that and just know a lot of people have died in the past two months, um, knowing that this life isn't it, that there's more, and that it's the most peaceful you've ever felt. One thing I thought was particularly poignant as well, that idea of, of never looking back. Um, that's something in our lives, too. I think we hold a lot of baggage, and maybe we feel bad about things that we've done. I think that's a really interesting message that you had while you were there that we can also take away is that, like, you can't always start again. Not everyone is going to have an experience like that, but you can take Scott's word for it on what it's like and that this life isn't it and that there are times where you just have to reprioritize, reset, and don't look back. Don't look back at what you've done aside from using that as inspiration to change your life and to, to, to do something better. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.